Father, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you, Father, for this day. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, Lord, fill us. Fill us this evening. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are those who are meek. Oh Lord, we want to come to you this evening. Father, we just want to humble ourselves before you. And we ask you, Father, that you would speak to our hearts in a special way this evening, O oh Lord. Anoint us, O oh Lord. Anoint each one of us, even as I speak and even as all of us hear your words. Pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts and cause us to walk in your ways. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you, Father. We give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we sang today's song, uh, the song that, second song, if I'm right, Don't Let My Love Grow Cold. Today, I titled my message uh, as, uh, oh, just give me a minute before it comes up. Thank you, Jesus. Titled today's message as the Great Commandment. The Great Commandment. Great Commandment. Okay, we find this particular commandment in uh, several places. But before we go there, Matthew chapter 24, verses 12 and 13 will say, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. That was the song that we sang today. The love of many will grow cold. But he who endures in love to the end will be saved. Okay. So Raj did not know that I was preaching on the great commandment and neither, we didn't have any communication. Thank you, Jesus, for that. So that's exactly what he says. Lord, that's a prayer and that's a song that we sang today. Don't let my love grow cold. A great commandment as it is spoken about. It's mentioned in three places in the Gospels. Three of the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels. The first, we'll look at the first Gospel, Matthew chapter 22, and verse 34 onwards. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, I want to just give you a context in which this particular verse is mentioned. The Sadducees are there. And they come and ask Jesus about the resurrection, about that hypothetical situation where this woman is married to the seven men and all of them die and she also dies at the end and they ask him the question, whose wife is she in the resurrection? And Jesus answers them that question and you you know that answer. We don't have to go into the details. The context of that, so the Pharisees and the Sadducees never get never got along well with each other. And when the Pharisees saw that the Sadducees were, you know, he answered the Sadducees well, they came and asked this question to Jesus. What is the great commandment? And Jesus says, these are the two great commandments. It's interesting that if you go to, if you look at the three Gospels, you'll see different renderings of the same passage. Uh, and something interesting is, is, is mentioned in the Gospel according to Mark. Let us look at that today as well. Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 28. Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well. Again, the same situation, he answered the Sadducees well. Asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first commandment of all, the command is this, commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no... Amazing. Look at that. How many did he mention? The first and the second. And then he says, there is no other commandment than these. He's clubbing them into one. 
That is a great commandment. Now you need to understand something. The gospel according to Mark records the response of the scribe. Okay, it's remarkable. Okay, this is what he says. The scribe now responds to Jesus' answer and he says, look at this, he says, the scribe said to him, well said teacher. Kya baat hai, in my language, you know. You have spoken the truth. Amazing. Remarkable. No, this is something which you need to understand, no? Many people, when something is spoken to them, they don't understand it. They don't, they're not seeking for answers, they're not seeking for questions, answers to their questions, and therefore they never understand truth. I mean, it's, 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 it's something which is there in our generation particularly. Nobody really, really is searching, nobody is reading, there's no depth in their, in their relationship with the Lord. There's no seeking after truth. And truth is not just an idea, it's a person. Okay, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That means if you're seeking a deeper relationship with me, you will have a lot of questions. And then this man, he looks at Jesus' answer and he says, you have spoken the truth. You have spoken the truth. Um, I need to ask you this question. How many of you when you come to any study, really, really understand the message in the sense that when you heard, you spoke the truth. Think about it, no? That is the reason why Paul tells the Berean church, I mean, he talks about the Berean church and he says, those in Berea were much more nobler than Thessalonica. Why? He gives this distinction. He says, those in Thessalonica, when they heard our word, the word which came through us, they did not receive it as the word of man, but they received it as a, as a word of God, which has got the power to work in those who believe. That's what the Thessalonican church did they, when they received the message. When they heard Paul preach, they said, boy, this is the word of God. On the other hand, if you go to the Berean church, when they heard Paul, you know what it says? It just says, when they received the word from Paul, they received it with Readiness of mind, but then they did something else. They went back and they searched the scriptures to see whether what Paul said was the truth or not. You see? You don't have because you don't ask. <laughs> Many people don't ask questions because, they, I mean, like, uh, like after the lecture is over, when the pre, when the when, when the teacher asks the students, "Do you have any questions?" I mean, either they understood everything, <laughs> or they never have, don't even have a clue as to what the lecture was all about. Okay, okay, and it is impossible that in any lecture you understand everything. No, no way. Okay, and that is shown in the answer papers, right? Okay. They have no clue what they're writing. So you have spoken the truth. And many people, they don't, when some, something is coming, this is, this is so important for us in these last days because there will be so many voices, so many other competing voices, including those of them who are very close to us in terms of relationships. How are you going to discern? Whether the words that your wife says is truth, or your husband says is truth, or your elders say are truth, how do you know? That is the reason why John says, test every spirit if if it is from God. And this man has done his homework. He said, you know what, you have spoken the truth. And I'll tell you why uh, Jesus agrees with that. He's going to commend him. That commendation is coming later. You have spoken the truth. And do you know, Do you, whenever you listen to a message, do you know that it is the truth? Do you? Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10, it says, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because what? They refused the love of truth. Amazing. How do you know that you have received truth and you love truth? How do you know it? <laughs> Third John will say something. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Why? Why is he rejoicing this way? Why is 
Paul, I mean, John, rejoicing, beloved, I pray that, I mean, praying this way rather, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in hell just as your soul prospers. Why is he praying this way? If he's making a statement like that, what is the next word? For. Thank you. Look at what it says. For. I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Just as you walk in the truth, there is a truth inside of you and you're walking in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You ask any godly parent, what gives you the greatest joy? My children are saved and they are walking with God. (laughs) You ask me, what gives you greatest joy? That to see my children being born again at a very young age. The earliest possible. That they have a, a inclination for the truth and for God. When I see that, even if they are not very good at math, boy, I am honestly saying that. Of course, I get frustrated sometimes when when uh, Abigail gets... Uh, okay, you know, my parents keep telling me that, no? Pandita putraha, paramasuntaha. Uh, that should not be the case. <laughs> that should not be the case with us. No, it should not be that case. So that, I get frustrated, but but the greater joy after I was born again is to see my children. To see my children knowing the Lord at a very young age. It gives me no greater joy. To see children understanding Jesus died for my sins. Think about it, no? When when Abigail's, I, I, I imagine that day. Jesus, you died for my sins. And she says it with conviction, not just a prayer, like a parrot. No. There was one boy in our in our school. His name is Phineas. His prayer always, Lord, please forgive us, Lord, because we are always sinning. My goodness, when I hear that, it's like a song in my ears. Amazing. When children can say that, to see them, they're walking, that they're walking in truth is a greatest joy. So you have spoken the truth. Guy says, and then, and he says, he goes on, he says, for there is one God and there is no other but he, and to love him with all the heart, and now instead of saying with all his mind, you know what he says, with all understanding. He gets it, he adds something over there. He, he understands what is to love God with all my mind, is to understand God. Meaning, how can I love somebody unless I know that person? Isn't it possible? I mean, a lot of people love God because it's just, of, just a figment of that. It's all emotional. It's all, it doesn't have a proper direction. It's not based upon knowledge. It's not based upon a relationship with Him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself. Like we heard last time on Sunday. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A, B, C of wisdom is the fear of the Lord and the knowledge. Look at this. It's just not the, it's the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That is understanding. To know every day of your life that God is holy. It's a holy God. He's a pure God. He's a righteous God. And everything about him is pure, holy and righteous. That is understanding. He understood that. And then he says, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is, look at it, he adds something else, is more than all burnt sacrifices and offerings. And Jesus hears this answer and he's, He is like amazed. You know what he says? When Jesus saw that he answered wisely. Wow. He saw that he answered wisely. Isn't it? You're not far from the kingdom of heaven, he said. What it is? He's not far from the kingdom of heaven. Now the, the point here is this, no? After the commendation from Jesus... Mark's gospel records something else. Nobody asked any more questions. Just the very next verse. The point here is this. He is not in the kingdom of heaven. He is near the kingdom of heaven. Notice that. So, when the Pharisee or the scribe, when he heard this commendation from Jesus, 
Okay, I understood the commandment. I'm only near the kingdom. I'm not still inside the kingdom, Lord. How can I become a part of the kingdom? That should have been the next question. Did he ask that? No, he did not. Why? He did not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? How do I enter into the kingdom of heaven? Luke's gospel chapter 18, verse 18 onward, 18. And the ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And you know the answer. Jesus says, keep the commandments. And he says, from the youth up onwards, I am keeping my commandments. Gospel according to Mark records something very interesting. It says, Jesus loving him said something. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you, la- you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. But when he had heard these things, he became extremely sad. Became very sad. For he was extremely rich. Jesus seeing that he had become sad said, how difficult ah, it is for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of heaven. For it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, that is the disciples, who can then be saved? And Jesus says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. In other words, to love God with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, with all of your soul is what is impossible. It's an impossible commandment to do it in your own strength. Something has to be done to us in order for us to really think about it. No, I mean, like Paul Washer says, we've heard him, right? He asked the guy, what is the greatest sin? I mean, what if you, if you, if I were to ask you that question, what is the greatest sin? I mean, because we are in GTC, would be coming with a nice answer. He says, it is blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. That is the greatest sin. Now, you know, Paul Washer says something very interesting. He says, you know, it is not actually that. Is not the greatest sin not obeying the greatest commandment? Now, think about it. Today, 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 today. How many of us loved the Lord with all of our heart? With all of our understanding? With all of our soul and with all of our strength. How many of us loved it? Loved him. Think about it. If you have not done it, did you repent of it? How do you enter into the kingdom? Something has to be done. This is impossible to love God this way. So what should he do? He should do the impossible in us. Isn't it? We know this. John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say unto you, unless a man is born again, he cannot foresee the kingdom of God. Verse 5. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is this? Unless you are born from above, it is impossible to love God this way. Look at what it says in John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 42. Very interesting verse. Jesus said to him, look at this. If you were, if God were your, what? Father. That means if you are really born from above, what would you do? You would love me. If God were your father, if God were really, really your father, one thing you will do is Love the elder brother. Simple. Think about it. No, uh, we have that very famous saying in English. I don't know. It's really my. my I, I remember my parents telling me, "Blood is thicker than wine." What does it tell me? That means your blood relations are the closest to you. They are thicker, meaning they are the closest. The first importance you would give, it will be to their family member. So once you are born again, the first importance you will give is to the family member of God, of Christ. And who is the elder brother of the family? Jesus Christ. You will 
have an affection toward him. And this is something which he does. So we can never love God unless he does something inside of us first. He does something to us first. We love him only in response to the love that we have experienced from him. That is the reason why pastor keeps on telling, what is your identity? What is your identity? Don't you know that God has accepted you the the way you are? How are you responding? If God were your father, would you respond this way? Is a question. 1 John chapter 4 verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. So how did this birth come up, come about? New birth. How did it happen? How was it made possible? How was it made possible? Theologians call it the substitutionary atonement. I mean, I'm just going to use that word because it's there in uh, in many books and many preachers use the substitutionary atonement. You know what he says? This is First Peter chapter one verse three, by the way. First Peter chapter one verse three. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has what caused us to be born again unto a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. What does it imply? If Jesus was raised from the dead, that means he first died. Now some, some, some people ask John Lennox, no? If I were to come and ask you that I was risen from the dead, how do you prove it? John Lennox was asked this question, you know, it's in an atheist forum. <laughs> and John Lennox is a smart, very smart guy, okay? I mean, amazing. Oh, if somebody came and told me that I rose from the dead, how am I going to prove it? First of all, I want to have the assurance that you died. So you have to give me the proof that you, what? How was it made possible that we could have new birth is because Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose from the dead. And because of the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus, we were made to be born again. That means the very act of repentance that we say, you know, repent for the kingdom of God is here. We can never repent unless God grants us repentance. What it tells me is this, unless God does something inside of me, continuously, every day of my life, I cannot love God this way. So first thing I need to realize, realize that it is a sovereign act of God. I'll tell you why this is important. It's a sovereign act of God. This is John's Gospel, chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. I mean, this is, uh, Nicodemus going crazy. I mean, uh, there's a biggest, uh, most uh, well-learned Pharisee. He says, how can a man be born again? He do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born. Of the spirit. Think about it, no? Did anybody cause themselves to be born again? No way. No. No. I mean, I remember my own born again experience. Think about each one of your stories. How you were born again. One of the things that I realized over, I mean, over a period of time, over a period of time, when I observe myself and my cousins, and particularly my cousins from the Hindu background, and I look at their lives and I look at my life. Recently, I went to, I mean, not recently, a few months back, I was at the wedding of my cousin from my mother's side. Two boys, okay? My my mama has two 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 boys. And I'm not saying this, my, my, my parents will 
will side with what I say. Two kids, especially the second guy, incredibly respectful, incredibly loving, incredibly honoring his parents. Amazing attitude. I mean, when you talk to him, you'll know this guy is a gentleman. Even my mama. What an attitude they have. And they are not believers. I mean, it's amazing to see that. What do you think? God chose you because you're very good. No. God chose you because you were better than your brothers and sisters in your family. No. No. I mean, one of the things that I realized that God chose us in spite of us. I mean, this is reiterated through scripture and this is not, this is just not uh, one, one place. You'll see that through the Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 7 and 8. The Lord did not set his love on you or choose you because you were more in number than any other people for you were the least of all the peoples. But because the Lord loves you sovereignly, why did he have to choose the Jewish people? Why did he have to choose Abraham who was an idol worshiper? Why did he have to choose? Just so has chosen for sovereignly, for you were the least of all the people. Think about it, no? That's the reason why it says, What shall we say then that was attained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the faith? For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. Why? This guy was lying. After he came out of the of Canaan to into the promised land, he lies in Egypt. After Sarah conceives, he's still lying. In spite of him. So, and because he would, but, but, but because he, the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to his, to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He did this not because of anything, just because he sovereignly loved you. Not because you were great in number, not because you were the strongest of all the people. No, no, no. You were the least of all the people. And were you the most righteous? No, no. Look at the analysis. This is Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 4. Do not think in your heart of the Lord your God has cast them out before you saying because of my righteousness. A lot of people think, you know, how many... When I was growing up, I used to choose God. I used to listen to the messages here. I used to, okay, that's all fine. I understand that. You know, but let me tell you something. God was actually sovereignly involved in every one of those meetings. I remember the very first time when I went to a Pentecostal meeting. And there is a time when my Lutheran and Methodist background family was so anti that. I went to a Pentecostal meeting. I don't know how I reached there. This man, I was possibly about 7th grade or 8th grade or 6th grade. I don't remember exact. This man just came to me and laid his hands upon me and he prayed and I started weeping. The very first time when I was 7th grade. I, I, I don't even know how I ended up in that meeting. Padmara uncle, I don't know if you, you remember Padmara uncle's family. I wasn't seven. I remember that so vividly. And then after engineering first year, I, I was taken to a youth camp. I didn't even know who was coming to preach. And this lady, who's a Pentecostal, comes and preaches the word of God in a Methodist church. I, when I look at my life, I know that it was in spite of me. Not because I was searching for God. No, it was God who was searching for me. But it was because of the wickedness of those nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. And then he goes on to say verse 6, Therefore understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this land to possess because of your righteousness. Why? Because you are a... In spite of the fact that he knows that you are a stiff-necked people, he's still choosing to bless you. Think about it, Grace Home. Think about it, children in Christian families. Think about the sufferings. I was reading an article by this lady called Fatima, who was a Saudi convert. I mean, this is so many other stories we hear. I mean, these uh, are there, but these are the stories which came out. It was there in the voice of the martyrs. And this lady, she came to know the Lord through the internet. She was a devout Muslim searching for the truth. Sovereignly, she stumbled upon this Arabic Christian website and she she never thought that Arabic Christians even existed and she started reading and suddenly she realized that this is the way of the truth and she got converted. 
and then she was very she was scared because her family her, her brother was especially about a, a part of the radical uh, islamic group in saudi arabia and then one day they were having a conversation in their home about about the faith and she started arguing with her brother and, and after a period of time she was so frustrated till that time her faith was a secret and at that moment out of frustration she said i'm so frustrated with this way i believe the way of the messiah is better than the way of the messenger and the brother who heard it was so shocked he said what did you say what did you say she said i believe the way of the messiah is better than the way of the messenger and that guy was furious he said repent now repent 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 and he took her grabbed her and put her in the room shut her down and he said if you do not repent you will have dire consequences for several days she didn't say nothing she said nothing she he was only suspicious about his sister she he still did not know fully whether she con- she was converted to christianity or not and after a while one day she went to her to her uh, relative's place she came back home she saw her room opened and her laptop not there and she finds a brother searching through her laptop finds all her christian confessions and the cross and the brother is looking at at with livid with anger catches her cuts off her tongue and burns her to death before she cuts off his tongue and burns her to death he says repent i'm giving you one last chance say not the way of the messenger the way of the messiah i mean i'm thinking thinking up think about it no think about it think about the privileges that we enjoy in our country do you think that we are better than them but still god chose god chose to love us that is the reason why jesus told those people no who on upon whom uh, the tower fell and uh, whose uh, blood pilots uh mixed with the sacrifices jesus said do you think because they were worse sinners than you do you think no 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 unless you repent you will like perish no way god chose us in spite of us and he, this is another powerful verse this is in malachi chapter 1 verses 2 to 3 i mean i'm going to not i'm not going to expound it i'm just going to read it i have loved you says the lord yet you say in what way you have loved us was not esau jacob's brother says the lord yet jacob i have loved and esau i have hated because you think jacob that you are better than your brother i gave him i gave you more preference than your brother do you think go and read chapter, romans chapter 9 i don't want to expound it and you know jacob you see that is the reason why this super this is a supernatural act of god to really have affections towards god this way you can never have it in your own strength unless god does a miracle in your life it is a goodness of god that led you to repentance like 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 uh, raj was praying lord when we were sinners when we were sinners when we were without strength when we were enemies you loved us that's so, so how do you know that you were really really born again and really you start loving the lord what happens first it first thing it changes it changes your attitude toward god in that it changes the way you worship let me prove that to you from scripture this is this is romans chapter 5 verses 10 to 11 for if when we were enemies <laughs> we were reconciled you see that you see the substitutionary atonement we were enemies we were reconciled to god by the death of his son much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life and not only so i love this verse and not only so we joy in whom in god through our lord jesus christ by whom we have received the atonement we begin to enjoy fellowship with god it changes the way we worship it puts a song in your mouth i'm thinking about all the ancient reformation people you know you think about john wesley charles wesley you think about think about uh 
Martin Luther, every one of them who were fathers of, of the Reformation and of, 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 of revival in, during church history, everybody was a theologian and everybody was a worshipper. They all wrote songs. Mighty fortress is our God. Ha, I love that song. This is Martin Luther. Mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never ceasing. Our shelter, he amid the flood, a mortal ills prevailing for still our ancient foe that seek to work us woe. Armed with cruel hate, his craft and power, power are great. On earth is not an e- on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving will be failing. We're not the right man on our side. The man of God on God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Shavuoth his name and age to age the same. And he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also. This Body they may kill. God's truth abided still. His kingdom is forever. Of course, I skipped several verses in the middle. I mean, one of the things that tells me, you know, when you really, really start loving God, it changes the way you worship. You will have a song in your mouth. Even though you do not, you're not a singer, you will start singing. Even though you're not a poet, you'll start Writing poems. That's exactly what happened to you, right? When you started, when you began to fall in love. I mean, I don't know, when you fell in love. I didn't write poems, I wrote rhymes. I mean, I, I remember <laughs> that song in our, in our, in our oh, ancient Hindi movies. Main shayar to nahi, magar ye hasi, jab se dekha, maine tujko, mujko shayari aagai. I was not a poet. I'm not a poet, but the moment I fell in love, something happened to me. Everything changed about me. Shari. It's amazing. It changes the way you worship. Of course, Dimple Kapadia is there and Auntie Elsa is looking at <laughs> Pastor James. <laughs> okay, that's a long... This, this is exactly what happens to you. you. Your worship changes. When you come to the presence of God, everything changes, you see. And therefore, I cannot understand people who are stoic. In the worship, I mean. This kingdom is forever. I can't understand. I can't get to. I can't come to terms with that. Not that you should not. I mean, there should be some kind of a freedom, right? I can't understand that. And then they say, oh, you Pentecostals. <laughs> I, I mean, I can think about it. Think about it. Everything about your life will change. I see my mother raising her hands up and I say, boy, you did a work, God. <laughs> this is never going to happen in a Methodist church. You did something over here. <laughs> you see, everything changes because you have come to know the Lord. You start loving Him now. Something has happened to you. Your worship changes. Not only your worship changes, your service changes. I, I can give you, I mean, it's writ through Scripture. I mean, I can give you verse after verse after verse as to how the substitutionary atonement actually changes entire lifestyle. Our attitude toward boss, our attitude toward our spouse. You know, think about it, no? Husbands, how should I love? Love your wives as who? As Christ Jesus loved the church and gave himself. You see how the substitutionary atonement, right there, my attitude towards sin changes. For God, for Christ himself suffered for sins, the righteous, for the unrighteous, so that he may bring us to God. My attitude toward my boss changes. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, it changes, right? Servants, obey your masters. For Christ also suffered leaving us an example that we may walk in his footsteps who did not know any sin, neither was deceit in his mouth when he was threatened did not revile and return, when he was reviled did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously by whose stripes you are healed so that you may die to sin and live to righteousness. You see substitutionary atonement everywhere. Everything about your life 
changes. Because God did something. And this is something God has to open our eyes to. No? We were discussing yesterday uh, in our Bible study. What does it mean for Jesus to become sin? What does it mean? Oh, think about it. No, Think, I mean, it, 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 say, it says Jesus, when he was growing up, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. How did he know? I mean, he, he never, his obedience was only increasing even as the light about the intensity of his suffering was increasing. What do I mean by that? Jesus, when he was growing, father would have told him, you know what? Your family will reject you. Will you still love me? Yes, Lord. Your disciples will forsake you. Even as he was progressing. Will you still love me? Yes, Lord. They will spit upon you, crucify you, do all kinds of things to you on the cross. Will you still love me? Absolutely, Lord. Not a problem. Now, let me tell you something. This is, he was progressing in his obedience and the time when he comes to the garden of Gethsemane, he gets a revelation. Not only your family is going to forsake you, not only your other disciples will forsake you, not only will your 11 disciples forsake you, I will also forsake you. Then he said, Lord, no. Can this cup pass for me, please? You see, you need to understand what Christ wrought on the cross is a mystery. The mystery of the gospel. Therefore, it changes our worship. It changes our service. Changes our service in that. Now, we will not hold back anything. That's what it says in Malachi chapter 3. I have loved you. How did you love us? Jacob I loved, Esau hated. Okay, so what? A son honors his father. A servant is master. If I am your father, where is my honor? How is it that we do not honor you? When you offer the lame, when you don't give the best to the Lord, are you not despising me and dishonoring me? Give it to your governor. Malachi. Think about it. No? This is important for us to understand because it changes everything in our lives. This is Luke's Gospel chapter 7 verses f- this is 40 to 43 by the way. 40 to 43 and 47. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, this is the Simon the Pharisee. I have something to say to you. You know the story, right? Okay. Said teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. Notice the word. Everybody read out. What is this? Creditor. Debtors. Okay, thank you. Notice that. One owed 500 dinari and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to pay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. Therefore I say to you, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. What is your debt? What is your debt? Do you have a debt? This is very interesting. This is the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6 verse 12. Forgive us our what? Debts as we forgive as we forgive our debtors. Tell me something. Whenever I sin I become indebted to whom? To God. I steal from Him. And I have to pay it back. Okay. Whatever that sin is. Even if it is a thought. Even if it is a thought. 
and you didn't repent of it. I mean, it's a sin, but you will, the possibility of repentance is because something happened over there. Somebody paid the debt. So question is, who paid your debt? Who paid my debt? Then the answer is, you'll say, Jesus! Right? Okay, who paid your debt? Jesus. Who is Jesus? Very important question. What do people say I am? Who do people say I am? Some say you are Elijah, some say you are Jeremiah, some say you are one of the prophets. Who do you say I am? You are the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Son of God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. So the question is, to each one of us, who is this Jesus who paid for my sins? If it is even a small sin that I committed, I mean, whatever that small sin is, who should pay this price? And what is the price that God requires so that I can be reconciled to God? Say Jesus. The writer of Hebrews will give us an amplification of who this Jesus is. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. God who, sorry, God who at various times and in various ways in times past uh, spoke to spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Who is the son? Whom he has appointed the heir, heir of all things. That means this son is the heir of all things. Great. Through whom he made the worlds. The creator. He is the brightness of the father's glory. Whatever that means. I have no idea. I have no idea. Till now. I don't have any idea what it means. The exact representation of his person. Upholding all things by the word of his power. This is Jesus. And this Jesus. What did he do? When he had by himself purged our sins. So what did it take God to pay for my sin? It took him who is absolutely priceless. I can never ever ever return this back to God. No way. No way. So your sin, whatever, however small your sin is. You know, to pay for that sin, what did it take? And who did it take? It took the very God. So your sin is not a small thing. Your attitude towards sin is not a small thing, my dear brothers and sisters. Because who paid for your sin? It is the God who paid for your sin. The very Son of God, who is the heir of all things, who made the worlds, who is the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person, who upholds all things by the word of His power, and He Himself having purged our sins. This is the God. It took God to pay for my sin. That is the reason why when you see the cross, it is God who is crucified, not man. The blood of goats and and sheep will not atone for sin. It's not atoned by the blood of goats. No way, no way, no way, no way. You need to understand this. Therefore, because of this, and think about it, no, can I ever repay back this way? No way. I mean, that is the reason why, what can God give? What can God give? God so loved the world that he gave himself. <laughs> himself! It's very interesting. You say what? The very son of God. He, I mean, he, give, he gave himself. Oh, sorry. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? Think about it, no? It says in John's Gospel chapter 1. Nobody has ever seen the father. And KJV will say, very interesting rendering. But the son who was in the bosom of the father, rather, the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father has made him known to us. Okay, this is your homework. Go and see which verse is that. Nobody has ever seen God, but the only begotten son who is in the bosom of his father has made him known to us. You know, other translations, ESV will say, ESV particularly. Nobody has ever seen God. But the only begotten God, 
who is in the bosom of God. When I read that, I said, boy, this is it. It is just not the son. That is the reason why after he asked this question, um, what is the great commandment, right? The next question is, Jesus asked the next question. Who is the Messiah? He's the son of David. How? He's the son of David, is it? If uh, David himself said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. When David called him God, Lord, how is he then his son? Everybody's mouth shut. You know what we are saying? This Messiah, who say very glibly the son of David, was God. Was God. And he is going to make possible the first commandment. It's very, it's after the first commandment. You can go and read the context. I'm not giving that to you. You read the scriptures carefully, you'll start loving scripture. <laughs> you'll start loving the intricacies of scripture. So what it tells me is this, my dear brothers and sisters, he paid a debt and therefore there is a continuing debt that I have to pay. What is that debt? Paul. He says, I'm a debtor. Not because he owes anybody any money. This is what he says in Romans chapter 1. I'm a debtor. (laughs) Both to Greeks and to barbarians. Both to wise and to unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to all. To Greeks, to the barbarians, to the wise, to the unwise. Think about it, my dear brothers and sisters. Think about it. This kosher Jew has to go to the barbarians and preach the gospel to them. And you know, he says, you know what, because I am under debt. How, how come you are in this debt, my dear brother? How is it that you are in this debt? How is it that you came into this debt? And I like the rendering in the NIV. The next was the NIV rendering. This is Romans chapter 13 verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding. Okay? Let no debt remain outstanding except what? Except the continuing debt of love. Wow. Continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the the great commandment. You'll see the next verse actually. Who loves another? Let no debt. I mean that is the reason why this is impossible. When Peter comes and says, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times is okay? (laughs) Seven times? No, 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 no. Seventy times seven Peter. Lord, increase my faith. This is impossible, Lord. This is impossible. Absolutely. To love your wife the way Christ Jesus loved the church, is it possible? Impossible. Impossible. Unless you come to the realization as to how God loved you as a man, in spite of all your failures, you will never be able to love God and love your wife the way Christ Jesus loved the church. Therefore, some people will say, if this is the way of a man with this woman, let us, let us not marry. Absolutely. But what is impossible with man? It's possible with God. Husbands, God is calling us to an impossible commandment. Not going to be easy. Raj is bowing his head in prayer. <laughs> Next verse. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. And be kind-hearted, kind to one another and tender-hearted, forgiving one another. How? Even as, you see substitutionary atonement over here. Even as, who forgave? God in Christ forgave. First Peter chapter 4 verse 8. Above all things, have fervent love for one another. Yes, we will use the word. Keep on loving one another. Why? Love covers a multitude of sins. And what is this covering over here? Who covered your sins? The word covered is he's quoting from the book of Psalms. Is the word kafar in the Hebrew, which means atoned for. 
Because love atoned for your sins. Keep on loving others, please. Substitutionary again. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. When people come to your home, don't grumble. He's going to eat up my time. Lord, please. We started with the great commandment. We looked at Matthew chapter 22. We looked at Mark's gospel chapter 12. And we will look at the other synoptic gospel. We'll come back to the great commandment in the synoptic gospel in the context of a continuing debt. The great commandment again. This time in a different way. And behold, this is Luke's gospel chapter 10. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? The same thing, right? The question asked by the rich young ruler. Do the impossible commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Sell all that you have and love me, Baba. Prove that you love me with all of your heart. He went sad. Impossible commandment again. Impossible commandment. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Watch. He said, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? Now Jesus changes the question. Instead of having the focus on him, he has the focus on the teacher. (laughs) The questioner. He said, so he answered, you shall love the Lord your God. See, the same thing again. The great commandment coming back. So he he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered rightly, Baba. Fantastic answer. Perfect. A for the day. Do this. Obey, brother. And you will have eternal life. But... He wanting to justify himself. He said, who is my neighbor? Can I have some clarity here, please? And then you have the parable. What is the parable? A certain man went from Jerusalem to Jericho. Fell among thieves. A priest came. Ran away. Everybody is listening to the parable. Think about it, no? This is all Jewish people listening to the parable. The priest came. He did not help this fellow. I know priests. Their fellows are hypocrites. That's the answer. I mean, the Jewish people are telling themselves, all the priests are hypocrites. Pastors, hypocrites. Okay. Then again, and then next then the Levite came. I know those fellows. I know what they do. Do you think they're going to do it? He also did not help him. No. What are they expecting? If it is not the priest, it is not the Levite, then it should be a lay Jew. That is what they are expecting, right? A lay Jew is going to come, you see, all those fellows who are clergy, the laymen are better than the clergy. Now the shock value is going to increase. Who is coming next? The lay Jew, the lay Jew, the lay Jew. The Samaritan. Everybody starts shivering now. They are offended. The Samaritan has come here stopped. He shows him mercy. And then, you know the story. And the next question. We'll come back there. So which of these three? (laughs) Which of these three, my dear brothers, was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Your answer would be, the Samaritan. No, 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 no. I'm not going to even use the word Samaritan. It's not going to come out of my mouth. He who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. What what he should have said, how can I love the Samaritan? How can I love him? That is the reason why the disciples were shocked when he was speaking to the Samaritan woman. Just, and, and it says, it says they were all scared to ask him questions. I mean, they didn't dare to ask him questions because they understood this is impossible. He only said not to go to the Samaritans or to the Gentiles to go to the lost sheep of Israel. And he's talking to the Samaritan woman. We have Samaritans, even in our own church. Look for them. Do you know who the Samaritans are? The orphans and the widows. Amazing. 
in a, a remarkable verse, go and remove the italics in James. What should you do? Remove the italics. Okay? Just this is a cryptic verse. Cryptic, cryptic, very cryptic. Remove the italics. I'll tell you what that, what that verse is. Pure and undefiled religion is this. To visit the orphans and the widows. And the italics. And to italics. Okay, sorry, not and to, only and. Okay, and in italics. Pure and undefiled religion is this and in italics. To keep oneself, to visit the orphans and and the widows in their misery. And in italics, to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now remove the italics. What should you remove then? Therefore remove and. Okay, now let's say that. Pure and undefiled religion is this. To visit the orphans and the widows. To keep yourself unspotted from the world. Now the whole meaning changes. In other words, if you want to keep yourself unspotted from the world, visit the orphans and the widows. Is it possible? Do you have that kind of a love? Impossible. You know what it should tell us? Lord, I can't do this, Lord. Impossible. This is what happens to a man if you say it is impossible. Who makes it possible? Look at this apostle, the kosher eating rabbi. On the way to Damascus, he's met by the living God and this is what happens to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. What I have made? I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. To the Jews, I became a Jew. I might win the Jews so that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law. And of course, not being without law toward God, but under the law of Christ. That I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became as weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake. And what is the gospel? It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Righteousness from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. You know what should be the response to this message? Only two. A promise and a prayer. Because unless you ask for this kind of a supernatural love, you can never love God and your neighbor. So what is the promise? Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. Thank you Jesus. And the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. You see that word that you may live, that you may live. What should I do to gain eternal life? That you may live, that you may live, that you may live. That's a promise. And what is a prayer? My favorite verse recently, which I discovered and I have made it my prayer now. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 5. Now may the Lord direct your hearts to love God. Into the love of God and into the patience waiting of Christ. May he. May he. It is impossible otherwise. Do you think it is possible? Unless you ask? No way. Do you think? Think about it. No, I always think about it. Think. I mean, look at the love of God. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. Sorry, spirit of bondage that brings us back to fear. But a spirit of adoption by which we call him. Abba Father. Okay? okay, by, by which we call him Abba Father. The spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If children, heirs of God, if heirs, joint heirs with Christ. Think about it. Think about a family which had three children. And finally, they had to adopt a fourth one. Some, because the parents loved 
the the boy, the fourth one, they adopted. But the three children were so angry because they know that the parents have so much of property. Now, if they have adopted this guy, we have to share the property. I mean, you see that in India. I mean, many, many places. In fact, it happens the other way. The adopted children, they take advantage and they go on the other side. You have both extremes. But think about how much God loved us. I have adopted you as my children. You are not only going to be heirs, you are going to be joint heirs with my son. And it says in the book of Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, it tells the Laodicean church, even as I overcame and sat on the throne, you can also overcome and sit on my throne. Think about it. What? That is the reason why the author will say, what manner of love God has bestowed upon us that we should be called the Children of God. One of the only things that that has to happen after today's message is we need to go back to our secret closet of prayer and start praying. Say, Lord, fill my heart with love. Circumcise my heart. It says in Romans chapter 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. He will give us His Spirit and His love if we ask. May the Lord direct our hearts. This is my prayer to you. This art and to all of us. For all of us. May the Lord direct our hearts into the love of God. And to the patience of Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Father I believe that you have spoken to our hearts. In some measure. And I pray Lord even as we go back home. This word will become even more true in our lives. There will be an increasing increasing, increasing love for you. Father, we will don't love you much because we do not know how much you have forgiven us, O Lord. Because your word says, O Lord, those who have been forgiven much will love much. O Father, show us the depravity of our sin. Show us how much we are sinners that we were incapable of rescuing ourselves. But Lord, in your divine love, in your sovereignty, in your love, in your forbearance, in your kindness, in your patience, you led us to your led us to repentance. Oh, Father, never let us take that for granted and enable us to continue to grow in love. Faith now abide, faith, hope, and love, your word says, and the greatest of this is love. Or even as we sang this mo- this evening, don't let our love grow cold. Don't let our love grow cold. Oh, Jesus, fan us back to flames. Let your word continue to burn in our hearts. Cause us to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.